Maybe big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Ben, the producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Jamie Punishal, the Chief Market Officer at Encino, chats with us about how having a product differentiation in the market makes marketing easier, and how as a single platform, the company data model can be usable across every unit of business. AJ enjoys his favorite lunch, restaurant, and Vincent enjoys an extra hour of sleep. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your happy host, Vincent Petrofessor, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. If you're watching us on YouTube, not many of you do. That's okay. You listen to us, though. Boy, are you listening, and you're listening to us. We're in the background when you're starting your day, when you're working out. Thank you for telling me the way you listen to us. I still, that's still a weird thing for me, but I love it. I love that you're telling me all this. I was just at trade shows and people were coming up to us, myself and my co-host. We'll get to our amazing co-host in a minute, but people are always telling us how much you love the podcast. That's a great feeling. And thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Before we start, if you're just listening to us for the first time, we are the marketing stir. We're Starista. Who is Starista? Let's just talk about us for just a second. There's no other advertising in this podcast. We refuse. And boy, do people want to advertise. No, no, no. Ladies and gentlemen, Starista, we are a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data, our own business-to-consumer data. We help companies through our own technology. Get access to those records. Through our email platform, through our DSP called Adster, Connected TV, OTT, Display. Email me, vincent at strista.com. That is how confident I am. I just gave you my email address. The other thing I'm confident in, I just got to see him, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to see him again. How many people actually want to see their CEOs? Tell the truth out there. I actually like seeing my CEO. He is uh, always informative and a fun time, you know, work and fun. That's what we do here at Starista. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. You are particularly happy today. I like it. I am. I know. Even more happy than usual. And uh, yeah, I got to sleep in one extra hour today. You know, my wife and I switch. My wife and I switch off days. Because we have little children, and they wake up at 5.08 and 5.15, so it was my day to sleep in till about 7. That's, isn't that great? That is nice. Yeah, that extra hour when you're a parent makes uh, such a big difference. It really does. You know, shout out to all the parents out there, working parents, doing their thing. AJ, it's good to see you. You got a smile on your face, too. What's going on? How's everything in San Antonio? Yeah, we uh, actually just got back from uh, our favorite lunch restaurant uh, that you wouldn't care for, but it's uh, Dashi, so shout out to Dashi. Uh, it is way too spicy for you. But Yep, all those listeners out there. Brian and uh, Blaine and Steve, this is the spot to be, so that's why you, I got a smile. 
Everyone knows that because, uh, and listeners know this about me, but, you know, they, they also, they say to me, are you really can't tolerate spicy food? I'm like, look, I, it's, it's not my fault. I've got GERD. It's like, I'm Italian. I don't know. Like made, blame my parents for giving me tomato sauce when I was like three months old. I have no idea, but that's what you do at Italian for, for Italians. But yeah, no, I heard about Dashi. It's good. Good time. I'm even, you know, maybe I'm going to come out to the Texas area in, in June, we'll see. A lot of people keep telling me about a great trade show on the B2B side, uh, the Forrester trade show in Austin. I keep hearing great things about that. Maybe this uh, our guest knows about that because he, he's my new go-to for all things B2B and all things B2B conferences. I, I, I met him before. We, we were talking. We haven't met in person. We'll, we'll change that because he he actually he lives close to where I grew up, so very close to New York City. Hope to meet him in person, AJ. But I, you know what, I, we loved uh, having him. Uh, we love having him on. And recently, there was another show. We happened to go to the Ramp Up show in Live Ramp in San Francisco recently. But the other show I was thinking about going to was the B two B Sales Exchange in Arizona. And I saw that my guy Jamie was there speaking on a panel, rocking it out, all the the comments, you know, how well he did. So we're happy. And it just kind of, you know, adds some nice additional flair to our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. You know how I feel about the B2B side, listeners, being that is my role here. So ladies and gentlemen, a nice warm welcome, please, to the Chief Market Officer. Chief Market, you heard that correctly. We'll talk about in a moment. At Encino, Jamie Punishal. What's going on, Jamie? Vincent, so awesome to be here. Thanks for that uh, uh, particularly generous uh, introduction. I'm not sure I said anything so insightful out in Arizona, but um, but it was it was funny. So um, you know uh, you know what that does. People people will retain those things. I love it. I love it. You know, sometimes I try to be funny. Some people say I'm funny. Sometimes they always say that AJ is naturally funny. And they say, I try a little too hard, but hey, you know, funny is, is funny, but no, that's great, Jamie. I, I, I was going to be at that show and I know there's another one coming up in, in August. It's the B2B sales and marketing exchange sales and marketing, you know, in the same room. What? Yes, it's possible. Ladies and gentlemen, do it. I was there last year in August. So go to that show. We always like to, there's some free advertising for you, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, Jamie, I heard and I saw all the comments. You were hey, funny is memorable. You did a great job. Those panels sometimes are just boring, and I was so glad to see that my new friend Jamie was was, was uh, doing his thing there. So, Jamie, talk to me about a few things here. So let's get Encino right out. I want what are you doing there? Tell tell my listeners here about the about the organization. Then your role. Chief Market Officer. At first, I thought that was a typo. And then I was like, wait a minute, talk to me about what you're doing there. Yeah, so I'm fairly new to role. Um, I won't be able to say that too much longer. I, I started August 1st. Um, so we're we're about seven months in now. Um, Encino is a cloud banking company. Um, so it's bank software. It was actually the original, the pioneer in cloud banking 10 years ago. Um, when lots of banks thought that uh, they would never go to the cloud at all, that was you know an un- unsafe place. Um, it's been a it's a fintech unicorn, rocket ship, you know, um, uh, you know zero to a couple hundred million bucks in ten years, 
And, um, you know, it's really gone from upstart serving, you know, small U.S. community banks um, to now, you know, serving global enterprises, um, you know, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, U.K., France, um, big companies, small companies, three of the top five U.S. banks, three of the top five Canadian banks. I could go right through the list. Um, so it's um, it's been a, a tremendous success story, and I was fortunate enough to uh uh, to 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 be asked to come in and and lead a marketing transformation to help the you know help us go to uh, from where we are to a billion dollars as uh, as fast as humanly possible. I, I love that, and then you you uh, that's the role the market. I love it. So when they say chief market officer, they're talking about the entire banking market. Is that is that what you they're referring to there? The role. Mm-hmm. No, and, and I, I can't take credit for um, chief market officer's title. Um, I can only take credit for asking for it and getting it. Um, but uh, there's a there's a whole crew of, of marketers, and, and I apologize. I'm not going to remember the sort of the original person. Um, but it came out of um, um, the Empowered CMOs um, uh, group, which is um, a group of, of awesome female CMOs you know, really working together to, um, to, to, you know, support each other and to, uh, you know, to help elevate more women into leadership positions. And, and from a discussion they had there, um, somebody put out, I don't know, position paper or a blog post or something talking about the, the, in, the need to shift. Like, hey, if we want to be, marketers want to be taken seriously, we got to stop talking about what we do and focus on the impact. You know, like, we're going to, we, marketing should own the market. We should own the view of the market, the voice of the customer. We should represent that for the company. We should bring that back. Um, and we should have, you know, a, a strategic place at the table, um, which we all want. You know, many people complain about, they can't seem to, to get, um, but it's because we focus too much on the activities of marketing and not the impact and the outcomes of marketing. And so it's a fairly subtle thing um, to drop the the ING. Uh, you know, you think about it, then none of the other title, none of the other C-level titles are a gerund. Um, and, but it's, uh, you know, as with so many things in life, that little nuance um, just changes the discussion for what the marketing function can do and the impact it can have on the business and the role that you can play at the, at the, at the strategic leadership table. Now, it definitely, definitely makes sense. Uh, Jamie, talk to us about how you got into marketing. It's one of our you know, few staple questions that we ask. And especially you, you've always kind of been involved or adjacent to kind of the fintech world, if you will. Uh, banking, fintech. So just tell us your story. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you look backwards at my resume, it almost looks as if there was a perfectly designed logical path that assembled a series of capabilities and skills and experiences that led me to exactly this job exactly here today. I assure you it was not so planful. Um, uh, you know, I started my career um, actually in sales, um, and which I, you know, I believe is uh, something we talked about a lot last week. You know, the more sale, former salespeople you can have in your marketing organization, um, the better off you are in really creating that, getting that sales perspective and that marketing sales alignment. But at any rate, um, I ended up in the mid '90s because I'm old. My children like to remind me that I'm OAF. Um, I'll let you uh, suss that out if you don't know what that means. Um, and, and, you know, the internet came along and I was, 
you know, a young uh, guy who saw hey, this internet, this technology thing had big potential to to change things. And so I was fortunate enough to be tapped to lead a team to build the first online brokerage for Bank of America back in the mid nineties, um, you know, before, you know, E-Trade's still on the phone, Schwab hasn't even launched E-Schwab yet, um, you know, it was quite a while ago. And that kind of led me that was my first, what I'll call a digital transformation job, even though I didn't know it was digital transformation. I didn't even know what transformation was back then. It was just cool stuff that I thought was going to be impactful. And so I've kind of, you know, moved through my career, really surfing on the wave of digital transformation. And that's taken me in lots of places from product positions to business line positions to P&L positions. And then ultimately, you know, over time we see marketing taking on more and more responsibility for digital, you know, in inside and digital transformation inside of organizations. And so I got tapped about a decade ago, not quite a decade ago, to join TIAA as they were getting ready for their first national advertising campaign and the rebrand. Um, and the, they wanted it to be a very digital led strategy. So I was leading a digital transformation and then my team came up with such a good plan for what we would do digitally that the CMO asked if I would take over the whole campaign. And so that's where I cut my teeth on more traditional marketing things like TV and radio and print and, um, you know, and really getting into, you know, B2B camp, you know, demand gen campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. And so for the last eight years, I've been plying my trade in the, uh, uh, on the marketing side of the house. And here I am. Great, uh, great background, Jamie. Would love to know what you're doing today for marketing. What are some of the channels that are working for you? Yeah. So I inherited a really interesting situation. Encino, has, you know, was such a rocket ship and had early on, you know, come to the conclusion if they built great product and if, you know, we sell to banks, bankers very much look at what other bankers are doing. You know, it's a slower, more conservative, risk-averse industry. Um, if they built a great reputation and really amplified that reputation, they would be successful. And they were absolutely that. You know, an incredible PR and comms function, you know, an incredible sort of event strategy and market presence, um, but no demand gen function. Um, not, in, not in the traditional definition of demand gen. And then we bought another company that had a smaller, uh, you know, it was a little bit smaller and had a, a more traditional marketing org, but really didn't have a lot of resources. So really what we've been focusing on is, is bringing those teams together, defining what we think the new, the new marketing motion should be for the organization um, and building that. And so we've had sort of an interesting seven months where we are designing, flying and building the plane all at the same time. Obviously, all the existing campaigns had to keep running. You know, the pipeline had to, you know, keep being filled while we were designing sort of our future state and really, you know, taking a data first, you know, um, technology and automation first approach to creating scale. Because we're now a big company, you know, we're operating in 10, 11 markets. You know, we, we've got, you know, almost 1,700 employees and we need to operate with that kind of global scale. Uh, and so, and we were, I inherited almost no tech stack. There was just Pardot and Salesforce on both sides of the house. So we've been in a massive plan and build mode um, and we just reorged. So we are now, um, uh, you know, rolling out an ABM platform soon and we will, you know, we've started to really up our game in our digital, 
you know, digital advertising channels. And the nice part is, you know, I don't, I don't have to change what existed. I get to build the most modern, you know, you know, stack with the best, you know, process and, you know, the, the latest and greatest toys, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we're, we're going to likely be an ABM first um, um, approach where we have a very definable universe. You got to be a bank. I know who you are. I can get lots of information about you because there's a lot of public data. So it makes logical sense for us to really hone in on a really tight definition of our target account list um, and then, you know, do a, a full stack approach. Um, but I think we're going to, you know, as I've done in other places and, and you could see the way the buyers are shifting, you know, we'll, we'll shift to a little less offline, a lot more digital um, and really hone in on first party data. Right. There's so much good data and signals out there um, that uh, that marketers, honestly, surprising to me, are not taking advantage of. Yeah, completely agree. As a data company, we definitely see first party data as the future for our industry. Uh, you know, you mentioned demand gen, which is probably one of the toughest things for most marketers and something we grapple with as well. And one of the things we always try to figure out is how do we distinguish ourselves from our competition. So is that part of the strategy? And if so, would love to learn about how do you dis differentiate yourself from the competition? Yeah, well, I have the um, incredible fortune of having just awesome product market fit. You know, we built a product 10 years ago that literally there was nothing else in the marketplace, you know, to support commercial banking transformation. Uh, and the, the the founding team had the foresight and the vision to know that this wasn't really, we weren't really solving just for commercial banking, that what we were really solving for is a gap in the marketplace, which is a single platform that can empower the entire bank. Um, if you flip it around, customers, you know, and we all, we all have, we all have banking relationships. Um, banks spend a lot of time talking about being customer centric. They, you know, it's in all the annual reports, they measure NPS, et cetera. But if you look at their tech stack and the way they're organized, they're really organized by business unit, by regulatory construct. And you as a consumer, it's difficult to go from business unit to business unit. You know, the credit card team and they, you know, the small business lending team are not the same, even though they take all the same information. So we've been built as a, the only single platform so we've got one data model that we, and we can make that data active and usable across every business unit. So we actually have a, a substantial product differentiation in the market. That makes obviously the marketing a lot easier um, because I've got clear product and capability differentiation. But more tactically, we one of the things I could tell um, fairly early on is as the company had matured and added lots of other solutions and added much more complexity, our story had gotten a little um, mushy. Um, we're really good at telling that original story and a little less well at telling our more complex, more fulsome story. So we actually just completed a big brand positioning exercise um, to you know, re-anchor the whole company and the marketplace in what we think is a very differentiated position. So stay tuned in the coming weeks and months as we start to uh, to, to, to roll this out. But we think we've got a, um, you know, a unique way of talking to the market and the market's changed even in the last couple of years too, right? I mean, digital transformation isn't exactly, you know, in the same sentence with an unfunded, or sorry, with a, you know, blank check, you know, coming from all organizations. So I think how you interact and talk to the market right now is gonna be quite different.
and keep a lookout that for that uh, listeners. You know some of the new things being rolled out. It's uh, N C N O N, the letter N C I N O. Jamie, talk to me about. Yeah, I'm curious because again, you know, I, I heard a lot of people commenting on it. What did you? What panel were you on at the? You know, be the B exchange in Arizona. What did you talk about? What were your what's what were some of your takeaways from the, not only the panel but the show in general that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, so I was on a panel um, with um, Corey and FIS um, talking about just ABM in a down market and and how each of the organizations was thinking about ABM and 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 applying it. Um, and you know, I mean, you know, demand gen's hard, ABM's hard. I mean, let's face it, nobody has. You ask five people for the definition of ABM, you'll get seven answers. Uh, um, right. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we see this, we're doing a lot of education even internally. So it was a lot about, you know, how you, how the relationship happens with sales. How do we set the ABM strategies? Are we doing more or less? Um, and so obviously there was a lot of funny discussion about, um, you know, creating that sales and marketing alignment, which is, you know, the ever elusive, um, uh, ever elusive goal. At a more macro level, I, I mean, I thought there was great energy, frankly, at the, um, at the event in a way that um, I was happy to see because I'm not quite sure with all the tech layoffs and everything else, what would what would be there. But there's a lot of energy. Um, I am always struck to your you know earlier question, AJ, um, uh, in many ways, how, how non-adoptive so many organizations are of this new stuff, right? I like to call it digital kabuki theater, um, which I think we all saw at the beginning of the pandemic. With, you know, the pandemic was awesome. I thought it was awesome as a marketer. It was the world's greatest A-B test. We took away all other tactics. All we had was our digital marketing. And what, what I saw was how many teams said they were doing digital, but you realize that they, that was not a prime directive or they weren't really doing it in a sophisticated way. And, and so I was really still struck, Vincent, at how early in the journey so many companies are in really rethinking and resetting their approach to the market as being digital first, or, you know, certainly, you know, very heavily digital. You're still running as if we have analog buyers, um, you know, they don't have great data. They're, they don't have the right analytics on their website. They don't have awesome first party intent signals. Um, they don't know how to action them. Um, you know, their teams are still operating in, in, in old ways. And, and so that's what I, you know, when I go to these things, I try to take a pulse of, of where we are relative to what's working out there and what's not working. Um, and I continue to be struck at how slow the transition is um, into what I think we, a lot of us have been talking about for, heck, people were talking about this before I became a marketer. Um, but we're still, you know, sort of in the, you know, first few innings of the, uh, of the journey here. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's funny you mention that because I was kind of thinking the same thing when, you know, we were just at this, you know, that ramp up in the trade show. We're always kind of just seeing how we fare and how we stack up against other companies. And it's, I remember someone talking to me about, well, well was the whole conference about the deprecation of cookies uh, still? And what's happened? I was like, you know what? It wasn't. I, I feel like people just haven't talked about that anymore. And it was just amazing to see what like you know just a year ago or for the last three years was a topic and it's still very relevant but it wasn't even there and also a retail 
media, retail marketing, all of that was a huge topic of this particular show. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, just again, how we fare, what, what are the trends, what are people talking about and, and why are people not talking about things that are still relevant? But yeah, it's always boggles my mind. But like you said, it's people were out and about and it's good to see that people were out these trade shows. I think 2023 is the year that I think it's, you know, back to almost normal. Yeah, with that, Jamie, I wanted to get back to something you said earlier, and maybe uh, you know you said that you were really proud of that TIA, uh, you know, campaign that you worked on there. But have there been other projects or campaigns that you're particularly proud of that you worked on, uh, or is it you know at Encino rebuilding a lot of this, you know, the uh, technologies that you have or programs? Talk to us about it. Yeah, I'm. A, so yeah, the TI program, I mean, that was great because obviously that was my first one, but it was also, you know, my first um, sort of experience with how different, how really thinking through the tactics and the audiences uh, the, and the new digital capabilities could give our firm a strategic advantage, right? So, I mean, you're talking about now 2016, 2017, um, we were very early in on using Facebook in B2B marketing. Um, and, you know, the, the, you know, we were talking about, you know, 15, 20x improvements in click-through rates in engagement in account opens, et cetera, et cetera, partly because we were the, almost the only ones fighting that fight. Um, you know, at Lionbridge, you know, there were two things that, um, you know, which is my last company to, you know, we did a lot of, I mean, it was the same kind of, it was a marketing transformation. We took the tech stack down, we rebuilt it. We rebranded the company, or at least you know, refresh the brand. Um, and but you know, we did two things. I think I'm was particularly proud of there. We saw how little, frankly, SEO was being done in the space. Just wasn't a key priority, and so we made it a big priority. And got a call from an agency, um, or, or they, one of the industry analysts one day, who had partnered with an agency to kind of do a a look at how the industry was marketing itself. And he's like, how are you doing this? You're like 10, 15 X better than everybody else. I'm like, I think we have a good team, but honestly, I think we're the only ones running the race. Um, and, and I have a similar-ish view here where, you know, I look at how our competitors are marketing, right? And look, if everybody's doing TV, I can do TV, but now I'm just crowded with everybody marketing inside of TV. So I'd rather figure out where there are, you know, creative white spaces that we can reach people that we don't have to fight so much for attention. And so at Lionbridge, we did a, um, uh, our 25th anniversary campaign, um, which was, a, you know, sort of a, a, an even newer refresh um, in, in the branding journey that we had taken. And we kind of really reset the company into this new space of language AI. And that was probably the, one of the better you know, more, you know, campaigns, things that I was more proud of. I mean, just really created a sustained motion. True, ran, that was our first multi-language, simultaneous multi-language campaign. So we launched a campaign on day one in 10 languages um, with a fairly small team um, around this new, you know, messaging, um, you know, with a, a truly integrated um, uh, sort of campaign strategy that, you know, had some, you know, was really super successful. So I guess I always just trying to figure out where's, you know, where are the, where are the, where are the edges we can find 
because, you know, like I'm looking at, uh, you know, I think CTV is underutilized um, right now, particularly in, in B2B. Um, great. So why am I going to go fight for email attention? Because I don't know about you, but I get 8 million emails. Um, and not that we won't use email, um, but, you know, we can, we can uniquely be in front of our buyers in a quiet zone by focusing there. And, you know, after this and, you know, in a year, everybody will be there and I'll start looking for something else. But I, I think that's actually part of the challenge and part of the success of, of the really good marketers, modern marketers right now is you really have to pivot and adapt and, 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 and look for new edges. They're not going to be the same and they're not going to last for very long. Jamie, CTV for B2B. You're, you're literally giving us our marketing pitch. Great. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You're welcome. I didn't even know, but there you go. <laughs> Love it. You know, so one of the, I think managing marketing teams is usually a, a tough challenge because you have creatives and then you have the analytical people and you sometimes media buyers. So what's been effective for you in managing and leading uh, teams in various organizations? Yeah, I mean, look, every team is different and it's hard. You know, I'm still, I'm seven months in, I'm still learning this company um, and, and you know, what I can bring to it and, and how I have to adapt, you know, so that, you know, my vision and, and my experience, et cetera, can come through in a way that connects with, um, with this team. And in my case, I've got two teams um, from two different companies that are coming together to form this new culture. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, uh, it's always a journey. And I think you have to look at it as such. Um, you know, the, the other thing that I, um, I pride myself on taking a very learning first approach. Um, I, I actually think in today's day and age, if you're not taking a learning first, you know, leading with curiosity every day and dedicating time to it, um, I don't know how you stay on top of your game. And, and, and stay successful. Um, and so connected that, connecting that then to your question, you know, with each, with, I, I want to learn each of those functions and each of those disciplines and each of those approaches, because they are right, unique, how creatives look at the world versus how, you know, traditional demand gen people look at the world versus how the marketing ops people look at the world. Um, and I think because of that, I, I've learned each of those worlds right now nobody wants me you know driving the seo strategy but i know enough about seo to have a really good conversation with my seo expert and appreciate the the nuance and and be able to push their questions and then take that and connect it to what's going on on the rest of the team which which i think is one of the you know my key responsibilities as a leader is to help the team understand how their little piece of the factory um, and and their contribution connects in with the whole. Because let's let's face it, as a customer, you're seeing an integrated story. I'm listening on the radio. I'm reading the print. I'm clicking on the ads, etc. And you can tell when the company isn't operating in integrated fashion, right? You know the coupons you get from your you know um, a store that is different than the coupon you get from their online site, which still happens to this day, right? Or you clearly have different parts of your organization not creating a single buying experience. Um, and so that to me, I think, and really helping my team grow and learn inside of this ever-changing universe, right? I mean, CTV literally wouldn't have been talked about 36 months ago. 
Um, and in my team, I said CTV and they, okay, let me explain to you what CTV is. Uh, and, and there's so much of that. Um, I, I don't know if this helps. One of the metaphors I use a lot to, to sort of reflect how I look at the world and how I think, how we drive marketing plan is you got to think about like GPS. You know your point of departure, you know your point of arrival. And, you know, for a few years, I was driving up to Boston every week. My address from where I started was the same and my arrival was the same every week. But the path was different every week. Weather, traffic, um, time of day, construction, um, you know, whatever. And so yet you, you, if you're really anchored on your strategy and your vision, and you really know where you've started, it allows you to be flexible and adapt as the, the conditions are, are changing. But you got to know those two things and have them anchored. And I think this is, this is the best thing we can do for our teams right now is help them understand what you know today is super valuable today and will almost be irrelevant in 24 months. There's a new version that you need to know for, for 24 months from now, right? There's a different SEO world than it was 24 months ago. I mean, heck, now we got generative AI, um, you know, and, and generative chat. What's that going to do to the SEO experts? So that, that I think is, you know, I spent a lot of time really working with my team on managing your career and growing so that you can um, really ride the wave of how fast things are changing. Jimmy, the next one is a fun one. It's one of our staple questions on the marketing stir. I'm sure you get a lot of uh, messages on LinkedIn with your job title and experience. So would love to know what's one that actually gets a response from you, and more interestingly, what's one that really annoys you? Yeah, oh boy. Um, the last one is a much easier question to answer, right? You know, I, I and we watch the themes and then a bunch of us CMOs, we joke about it. You know, there was the, for a while this summer, it was everybody was getting invited to start a franchise. All of a sudden, all the franchise guys came out of the um, the woodwork um, and, and they seemed to have quieted down a little bit. But for, I don't know why for three months, everything was about that. I, you know, I, I guess I'll answer it this way because it's a hard question. And, I, and our BDRs and sellers ask me this all the time. Um, if you are... If you happen to hit me with a message that is pertinent to something I'm thinking about and you find a way to do it with some value add, um, then I'm going to respond and listen. Um, and the, the truth is I try to respond to everything. Um, and you, you, you talk about irritating. I will respond, hey, this doesn't fit or, hey, I just can't think about this. Call me back in four months. And I'm just never cease to be amazed about how many people try to convince me that whatever I've just told them isn't correct. And I really should have urgency to talk to them today. Like you kind of should just be happy. I responded mm -hmm. to your cold email. Um, I even told you to call me back in August. Your, your timeline and my timeline, not the same. And I, I think, you know, if I'm, you know, giving counsel to, to, to sellers on that front, uh, right. Like, you know, I must get 300 emails a day. Um, I'm, you know, it's, it's, you're not getting a lot of time if I've, if I've taken the time to respond um, and, or even if I haven't responded, you know, the sort of that super clever, you know, you're dead, you're under a rock, you need help. Um, let me know if I should call you back kind of ABCD thing. It was cute the first time. It's not cute mm -hmm. anymore. Um, 
and and but I I really think it comes with there's got to be a value exchange, right? There's too much noise, and um, if you got a value exchange and you engage in a good conversation and you have some persistence, it can pay off. There, I just our web design agency. I literally have been talking to these guys for like eight years across three companies, and it just wasn't right. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. But they kept at it. And they kept adding value, and I knew at some point it would be right. And sure enough, it was right. And now they have a big project. Um, and, and I think that's you know, if you whether it's LinkedIn or email, yeah, I might need that, but it might be number ninety nine on my priority list. But so stick around because at some point it's going to move up on the priority list. And I think there's too much of the I need to create pipeline this quarter, therefore you need to have urgency now. Um, to meet my needs, as opposed to kind of understanding where we are, taking that feedback, and then having the discipline to nurture that, because the time will be right. I, I, I love that explanation, Jamie, because it's it's something we haven't talked about, and uh, it's specifically for that question that we asked, because you're you're actually responding to them, and then they're like, hey, no, it's still not good enough, and I respond to people too, and I get that every once in a while. I'll respond and I'll say, look, I, it's a no, and I know that in sales you appreciate the no as opposed to the maybe. You know what I also find is something you said there? Follow up with me in four months. They never do. Sometimes they never do. They, get for, they forget, and it doesn't, just, it doesn't come back. We have a lot of BDRs and SDRs and sales managers who come up to us uh, AJ and myself now, who are saying thank you for asking that question. The LinkedIn question is like people's favorite question because it's like we've retrained our BDRs to, you know, to how to reach out to people. Because no C-level executive or uh, that we've had on the podcast has been like, oh no, email me forty-three times and I'm going to then sign a hundred thousand dollar deal with you. No, no one has ever even remotely came close to that. So it's yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those lessons there. And uh, yeah, it, it, you know, be respectful of people's time. Also, it comes down like sales management. If you are listening to this, it's like, you're right. It's, I think a lot of the times from the top down, you're creating that unnecessary urgency. I get it. Like pipeline needs to be built top, top of the funnel. It needs to be built, but you know, you need to respect, we're all human beings here. We need to respect each other's, uh, that one hit home for me. Yeah. A, a little patience and perspective, you know, and again, I can tell when somebody has investigated my background, reads my LinkedIn posts, and, and I'm not super active, but I'm active enough. And you can tell when there's a thoughtful connection set. Um, I can also tell when the marketing team has written, you know, the three urgent, you know, bullet points to try to share. Um and, you know, you're, there's, there are people with needs. And even if I do have that need, it doesn't mean I have that need at that, this moment, right? Because, yeah. uh, um, again, we, we got lots of projects, um, you know, lots of things we've got to do. Just because we fit, uh, you know, an ICP doesn't mean we fit right now. I mean, the, yeah. I'm a big fan of the fire, whatever rubric you use, but fire works for me, right? Fit, intent, recency, um, you know, and engagement. Have some sense and then use that to judge how you want to interact with somebody. Exactly. Exactly right. No, I love, uh, you know, I love the comparison there. Jamie, two things before we wrap here. One, we'll get to know you on the personal side here, but 
I, I want to, this question I, uh, you know, very passionate about, it's, it's the B2B marketing. How, how does one stay innovative in B2B marketing, stay ahead of the curve? I, you, you, could, you talked about, you know, the connected TV piece. A lot of people aren't doing that to the B2B uh, marketer, but those business professionals, they're at home, right? So there, but talk to us a little bit about that, how to stay innovative. Yeah. By the way, they're not just at home, right? They're on the road in their hotel where you now can pull up your Netflix account or your Disney mm-hmm. Plus account or or whatever. Or I've downloaded it on my phone. So, you know, I got the episode. So, so many new ways that you mm-hmm. can consume consume the media. Um, I, you know, it's it's a, it's a hard question to answer because some of these things are like, oh, I don't know how I do it. I just do it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, I, but I will say this, uh, you know, I spend, I'm going to guess five to 10% of my week. So that's not an insignificant amount of time. Um, reading, talking to vendors that I may or may not even know I need right now. But I do it because I, I don't know how you can stay up on the edge without doing that. And so it's a little like, you know, the way people tell you, hey, if you you want, you can write, you just gotta say every week, I'm gonna spend an hour, I'm gonna write that blog post. Or you wanna do a podcast, okay. You're gonna just, you gotta commit and you gotta do it and decide that this is really important and let it sustain and build itself over time. And, and I feel the same way about the learning. You have to decide that you're gonna do it and you have to commit to it and sustain it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to spend a week learning this month, this quarter, or you know, March is going to be learning month. Um, I don't, I don't think of how that's how it works. And so it's not easy. Um, uh, but I make a, I've always believed, um, I, I never want to go to a conference actually and learn something like radically new. I love to hear new ideas and new ways people are doing things, but I've almost view it as a failure on my part. If I go there and like, wow, I had no idea this was a trend, um, but I can only do that because I spend quite a bit of time consuming um, uh, lots of content and talking to lots of smart people um, to just keep keep the information flowing into my head. And and back to your question, your other question, AJ. I also I do it across all disciplines. I'm just as interested in understanding what's happening in the tech stack as I am is what's ha- you know what Google's doing you know in the algorithm as you know, I am understanding, you know, new strategies around creative. Um, And and in my industry and outside of my industry, you never know where those inspirations are gonna come from, right? And that I think is the key is because you gotta gotta get lots of inspiration and and lots of inputs, and then you'll come up with your own alchemy for that. No, it makes complete sense. uh, Thanks for sharing all that information, Jamie. We appreciate it. Get to know you personally, right? You're, uh, you, you know, you're in the New York adjacent area, Connecticut. There, were you always, uh, you know, on the East Coast here? Did you go up around here? Uh, and I'll tell us what you like to do for fun. Yeah, no, I um, so I, I was born in in New York City, but uh, my parents decided to raise me in the country, so to speak. So we moved to Western Massachusetts. I grew up there, um, went out to the Bay Area for college. Decided that was kind of an awesome place, so I stayed there for a decade. Then got a job in Boston, was there for about a decade, and then I've been in the tri-state area since about the the mid-aughts. Um, so I've uh, I've lived in some pretty awesome places, um, right? My new company is headquartered in Wilmington, North Carolina, so 
started to learn about North Carolina a lot. I'm down there a lot, um, uh, even though I'm, I'm, I'm staying remote. Um, as to the hobbies question, um, you know, I just um, sent my youngest child off to college in, um, in late, late August. So I'm an empty nester. And one of the first things I realized was, um, wow, I have no hobbies left. I spent <laughs> so much time at softball tournaments and, and swim meets and, and, and all those things that uh, I'd let a lot of my, you know, personal hobbies um, fall by the wayside. I'm like, what am I going to do with my time? So, um, you know, went out, got myself a bike. And so I started, uh, you know, uh, road cycling again. And um, this year I'm determined to get back on the golf course for that lifelong, never ending pursuit of failure that is um, <laughs> le learning how to golf. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and my wife and I have just started to travel a lot more. Um, so, you know, we love to go to concerts anywhere, not local. So we did like rage against the machine in Toronto last summer, and we're going to go see muse in Vegas in a month and, nice. um, and just, uh, you know, get back out there into the world and, um, we love ourselves some live music. So, um, that, I'm enjoying the next phase of my life, I guess is the way to put it. That's amazing. You're, you're a young empty nester out of boy. Uh, but also don't, don't discount the amazing Capitol theater in Portchester, New York, you know, right there. My uh, my hometown. It's uh, you know great little little venue for those who uh, you know live in the New York uh, tri-state area. Check that out every once in a while. Jamie, this has been awesome catching up with you. Keep up the great work at Encino. Uh, this has been uh, a great episode, ladies and gentlemen. Check out Encino N C I N O. Check out Jamie. Uh, he's the chief market officer at Encino. Jamie Punishel. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much, my friends, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening. <laughs>